This is How Shall They Hear, a production of New Testament Christian Church of Renton, Washington. We hold services every Sunday morning at 1030 at 13470 Martin Luther King Jr. Way South, Renton, Washington, 98178. You can reach us by email at ntccrenton at gmail.com. Excited. This morning I'm reading from First First Thessalonians chapter four, verse thirteen. First Thessalonians chapter four. I have a hard time saying that today. Chapter four, starting at verse thirteen. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I want to take verse 17 as our text this morning. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Sir, would you stand and pray for the message of Messenger this morning? Loving Father, we thank you once again to be in the house of the Lord, waking us up this morning to see another day. Lord, we thank you, dear Lord God, that you gave us the strength and ability to be here, to want to be here, to hear thy word. Pray that you will speak to our brother as you minister unto him, that you minister unto us, that you give him that fresh unction by the Holy Spirit. And Lord God, as we listen to him, giving us these comforting words of your word. And Lord, that we have it hid in our heart that we might not sin against thee, but that you will remind us of what you want us to do. Yes, it's in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, sir. Then, they, then we which are alive and remain. That's what I'm preaching about today. Alive and remain. The first epistle or letter, we can call it, to the church at Thessalonica is where we are today. Reading. Paul, Timothy, and Silas reached Thessalonica during Paul's second missionary journey. Thessalonica was a Greek city, and it still is, in the providence of Macedonia not too far from Philippi, so it's up north, uh, all the way up north in Greece, so way past Athens and everything. Paul wrote this epistle while he was in Athens upon the return of Timothy, whom Paul had sent to comfort and to establish them. You can read more about that here in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, how he, Paul desired to see them. He had heard about the, how their faith and uh, their devotion to the Lord was 
uh, strong. And Paul wanted to go see him, but he said, but Satan hindered us. But he was able to send Timothy to comfort them, to establish them, to preach to them, to give them some good news. And in this letter, Paul addresses a concern that the church in Thessalonica had. All right, we read about it here in our Bible reading. But first, we must mention that they were a persecuted church. This church was a persecuted church. Now, we here in America have no idea what persecution is. Not a single clue of what Christian persecution is, or being persecuted as a Christian is. We think, well, the governor shut down the churches because of coronavirus. We're being persecuted against. No, that's not persecution. <laughs> really, when you take in the right perspective of it, every religion was shut down. Every church, every uh, uh, gathering, birthday parties. You couldn't have birthday parties, weddings, whatever, in those initial stages of the lockdown. So no, they weren't targeting the churches. Now with them burning all the Bibles in Portland the other night, now we got something. Now we got some persecution going on. But we really don't know what it's like here in America. And praise God we don't necessarily know what it's like. Many of the believers there at Thessalonica had passed away. Members of the church there. And it was more than one uh, church or body of believers. This letter went to all of the different bodies of believers in Thessalonica. But they had either been uh, killed through persecution or died of natural causes. It doesn't necessarily tell us. And when Paul had preached to them upon this, he had made reference to the rapture of the church. So when he went and established them, teaching them, getting them, telling them about the gospel for the very first time, he had told them about the rapture of the church, the things that are going to come in the end. However, the Thessalonians were concerned about those who had died already. They were upset thinking that because that many had died before the rapture, that those who had died were going to miss out on all eternal glory. Because they died, that was it. They were never going to see Christ's face, that they weren't going to go to heaven. Those who had died were faithful, and as I mentioned, they were persecuted because of their faith. So Paul addresses their concern. See, it's important that we are here in every service. And when Bible study comes up, I understand that there's work and different things, but it's important to make it to every service you can. Because you will not grow in God if you only attend one service. You will not grow in God if you attend one service. You don't water a plant once. Right? You don't water a plant once. You've got to water it every day. You've got to get something in every day. The church in, here in Thessalonica, they were confused. So Paul cleared things up. We cannot let confusion derail our walk with God. We cannot let some misquote or some mistake while preaching totally derail us from the, our walk with God. Now as preachers, I'm going to mess up things. 
All preachers mess up. They may misquote something. They may take something out of context by accident. And it's not on purpose. We're not trying to do it to confuse or try to twist things the way we want to say it. It's a pretty big book. There's a lot in the Word of God. It takes a lifetime of study. And still, we only barely scratch the surface. That We can't learn everything all about God right now. He even said that the deep things of God. Dive into the deep things of God. That the, the, the secret things are of God. So there's a lot of things we don't know. But you know what? What we have here in the Bible is what God wants us to know. So if we misquote something, I've heard people say, you know, when Moses got onto the ark. Moses wasn't on the ark. That was Noah. But you're going to say, oh, he said Moses got on the ark. This must be a, a false church. I'm out of here. No, it was just a common mistake. And that's what the Thessalonians were having here. They made a mistake of what they were taught. Taught by Paul. Was Paul wrong? No. They may have misinterpreted it. They thought that you had to be alive to see God at the rapture. So here you got all these believers that had died in Christ. And they were worried what's going to happen with them at the rapture. So Paul brings up, he said, that God was going to bring them back with him on the day of the rapture. Praise God. He said, don't worry about those who are asleep. Don't worry about them, because God's going to bring them back. And he says there, and we'll read the Bible reading again, but I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as, a thought, as others which have no hope. For we believe that Christ died and rose again. Even so, then also which sleep in Jesus, God will bring with him. For this we say unto you, that by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, shall not prevent them which are asleep. So don't worry about it if you're still alive. You're not going to stop them from coming out of the grave. Praise God. And he said, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Thessalonians, the church, the, the, the dead in Christ, they're going to rise up. This is a second resurrection. And then we which are alive and remain will be caught up after that. And then he says, and all of us together will meet Christ in the air, and so shall we be with him forever. Amen. So that's your preliminary stuff for today. But today's message isn't about the Thessalonians. I'm not preaching necessarily about them this morning. I'm preaching about us today. Right now. There are two transport, transportation methods of reaching heaven. Just like, you know, if you go to work, you can either drive your car or take a bus. To get to heaven, there's two methods of transportation. By physical death. That's the first one, Hebrews 9.27. And it, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So you could die physically. And then the other is the rapture of the church. And I read that there in verse 17. That's our text. In order to reach heaven by either one of these avenues, 
you must meet the same qualification. You must be saved and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. What I'm saying is, you want to make it to heaven, whether it's by you uh, pass away of natural causes or the rapture, either way, you have to be saved. There is no other way. Just because you don't have to be more spiritual to make the rapture than you would if you died and went that way. Two methods of making it to heaven. The rapture or death. Our text this morning there in verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The two words we want to focus on here really this morning are alive and remain. Alive and remain. Now Paul was dealing with physical death and those who are literally alive. He was talking to the Thessalonians, okay? We've cleared this up already. Those who are asleep, those are the dead ones, physically died, and then he's writing to those who are physically alive, reading this epistle to them. And this message isn't for the dead who have gone on this morning, because once you're dead, your fate is sealed. Either you're in heaven or hell. If you're a Christian and you died, you're in heaven. Praise God. The Bible says, absence from the body, present with the Lord. Amen. There are quite a few denominations that believe that when you die, you stay literally asleep in a state of unconsciousness. But that's not what we just read here. He said, for we say unto you the word which are, uh, let me see. So for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Christ, God will God bring with him. God can't bring something with him that's not with him already. He's going to bring those saints who had died in Christ. He's going to bring them back with him at the rapture. He's going to resurrect their body, combine them together, glorify that body. And then us, if the rapture were to happen now, we're all still alive right now. If the rapture were to happen in the next couple minutes, afterwards we would be raptured at that moment. To meet with everybody in the air, especially Christ, praise God. But alive we remain, and he's dealing with physical, literal death, and we're not dealing with the those who have already gone on. This message is for us that are still alive. And I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but bear with me, it'll all come together. We are physically alive right now, despite how we're feeling. <laughs> People say, Oh, I'm just not alive right now. No, you still are, because you're talking to me, you're alive. But just because your heart is still beating doesn't mean that you are spiritually alive. The Bible makes many comparisons between the dead and the living in the sense of being separated or united with God. And you made a quick mention of it earlier uh, before you start singing, sir, that you, there's, there's people who are dead. They are dead, but they're alive. Hey, God knows what we have need of today. Praise God. I love when God brings things together. And even the songs, I, you know, I picked the songs, but I wasn't even really thinking of the message. 
and you know, oh, I want to see him and look upon his face. And I feel like traveling on. Those all relate to what's going on here. Those all relate to what God is preparing for us here in this service. God is the order, order of service. He just gives me the message. I do my best to, to read about it and pray and put it on paper. But it's God who preaches the message. It's God who deals with our hearts concerning what he has for us. It's God that's ultimately responsible for the outcome of what's in this service. Praise God. We can tell everybody in the world about Jesus. But it's God through the Holy Ghost that's going to convict their hearts. It's God through the blood of Jesus that's going to change lives. I can't change anybody's life. I can just preach on the man who will change their life. Praise God. Death has three parts. Spiritual, spiritual death pertains to all mankind who has not given their life to Christ. They're born in sin, as we all were. We were dead before Christ made us alive. So you have spiritual death, that's one. Physical death, we know what that is. That is literally when the body stops functioning. And then the third death is the eternal death. When you are number one dead spiritually, and you add that to number two dead physical death, that's going to equal number three, eternal death. That's why we have such an urgency to reach men and women right now. Because we don't know when their time is going to come. We don't know when the last time they're going to get behind that wheel. We don't know whether uh, when the last time they're going to close their eyes. Because they could die at any moment. Any of us could die at any moment from an aneurysm, a heart attack, a stroke, or anything. We don't know. So that's why there's such an urgency to preach the gospel, to tell men and women. Because that when they do die, and they do die lost, they do die in spiritual death, they're going to be in eternal death. And eternal death is to complete separation from God for all eternity. In hell. And that's when God will no longer deal or speak with a person. That's when God completely cuts them off. And in fact, God makes it impossible for those who have died in sin that are in hell to have any emotion or feeling to God. Because here in Ecclesiastes 12 and 7, it says, Then shall the dust return to the earth, as it was, referring to the body. We come from the dust of the earth, God formed man out of the dust. And it says, And the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. And that goes into a study of the trinity of man, body, soul, and spirit. That's what makes up us. Body, soul, and spirit. The body is what you have right here. The skin and the flesh and the bones. The spirit is that emotion, that, that connection with each other, with God. And the soul is ultimately what goes to heaven or hell. That's the real you. The body is the shell of the soul. The spirit is that gasoline, that spark plug. Like you have a car. The car, it's got the parts, that's the body. The soul of the car is what the essence of it, which means to move, the transportation. 
But the spirit is that spark plug that gives it life, that battery and that gasoline. So when God takes the, the spirit back, according here to Ecclesiastes, and the body returns and it rots back into the earth, that just leaves your soul. Lose your spirit, that is where your joy is, love and being alive emotionally, that's where that comes from. The body goes away and that just leaves your empty soul in hell. Talking about alive and remain as believers already bought by the blood of Jesus. If we want to make the rapture, which could happen at any time, there are two things we have to do. Stay alive and remain. It's about us believers. Sinners got to be made alive. Sinners have to give their life to Christ if they want to make the rapture. But for us believers who have been bought by the blood of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, we have to remain alive. If you die physically, that's fine. If you're a Christian... Talked about that a couple weeks ago. How a, a funeral for a Christian is way different than a funeral for someone who's uh, lost in their sin. We like to say, brother or sister so-and-so has received their promotion. And yes, there's, there's uh, a, a human emotion that comes along with funerals. Even for a Christian that died, there is sadness. There are tears. It's going to come. We're going to miss them. But it's not rest in peace that's not, we'll never see you again, it's be right back. They're going to come right back. God's going to bring them with them on that day. The word alive means more, as we mentioned, than having a heartbeat. Before Christ, we were dead, spiritually dead. You know, people seem so happy, you know, as you go down the road, you see them jogging with their dogs in the nice neighborhoods, they got some nice cars, they go to the restaurants, you hear them laughing, and they're at the beach in the parks, and they're having a great time. You're like, well, these people are happy. They got something good going on in their life. But you know what? When you really go deep down inside them, they are dead. They are dead. And there's nothing wrong with having nice things, a house and car, and if you haven't put the career before God, it's okay to have a career. But those things do not bring true happiness and joy in your life. They don't. They never will. And money definitely doesn't bring joy and happy. Because look at these celebrities and stuff. They want more money. And a million, we think right now, man, if someone gave me a million dollars, that's all I would need. Until you want another million. And another million. Your lifestyle will always increase as the more money you get. And the desire for the further lifestyle will increase the more money you get. But that, that stuff does not bring happiness. And you know what? You look at what's going on right now in our society and current events. The only ones who are not freaking out about the coronavirus, who are not freaking out about different things that are going on, the protests and whatever, are the Christians. Are those who have been bought by the blood of Jesus. We're not because God has given us the spirit of calm, not the spirit of fear. He's given a spirit of peace and joy and hope. We know where all this is coming from. We know where it's going to lead to. We're not freaking out. The only time you see churches get mad is because they shut down our ability to assemble. But even then, we found avenues 
to get around it. We found that we can be together, you know, in smaller groups or by going online or whatever. The church has not been silent at all. But we haven't been freaking out about it. You go around churches. We're not wearing masks right now. And I know we're all separate and distant or whatever. But we're not all, oh, we can't have church, the coronavirus. No, we're going to have church. We're going to trust in God. We're going to do proper practices. We're not going to tempt the Lord God. But we're also not going to let Satan silence us. We're not going to let Satan take us away from being able to worship together. Praise God. People are dead inside. Their spirits are dead. Their body is living. Matthew 8 and 21. Jesus gives a great example of this. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Let those who are dead in spirit bury those who are dead physically. Let the dead, he, he equates them both as the same. They were dead in their sins. And being a sin is like a terminal disease. You might as well call yourself dead. When the doctor says, you have this disease, you have this much time, there's nothing we can do. You're pre that's pretty much it, you're dead. Your heart just hasn't stopped beating. But you're going to go start a business. You're going to go start something. You, you know you have a couple months left to live. You're going to go and uh, start a family out. No, you're, you're dead. You're, you're gone. There's no point. It's like people on death row. Once they give that sense, boom. You're guilty. You're going to receive the death penalty. That's it. Your fate is, your fate is sealed. You're going to be killed. You're going to die. And sin is like that. Sin is a terminal disease. Sin says you're going to be separated from God and you're going to go to hell. As believers, we need to stay alive and remain in Christ. We cannot let sin enter back into our lives and kill us and take us out of God's grace. Staying alive in Christ is the same as remaining in Christ. Both go hand in hand. You cannot have one without the other. And you ask yourself, well, then how can I stay alive and remain? And, you know, we can have an inexhaustible list of things we can do. But these are just kind of the basics right here. You want to stay alive and remain in Christ? First, you've got to remember where Jesus brought you from. Always keep in remembrance where God has brought you from. Your past sin. How you were before you met Christ. Every business remembers where they came from. They remember their beginnings, their roots. They remember you go into business and you know you see the little dollar bill that they put up on there by the register. It was the first dollar bill that they made. You know, and that's what we gotta do. We gotta remember when we first started in Christ, what it was like before and what it was like then and what it's like now. Don't stop going to church. And we can't beat that horse over and over more. We cannot stop coming to church. Now your attendance in church doesn't save you. You don't walk through the door and boom, God saves you. Boom, okay, good. He came to the church. He's saved. He won't go to hell. 
But it will help keep you from dying. It will help you from dying in sin. Hebrews 10 and 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. He's talking about the rapture. As you see the day approaching. As you see things begin to wind up. And we don't know when it's all going to wind up. The Bible says that Jesus doesn't even know when the end is going to be. Only the Father does. But as we sit and we watch things happen in our world, we know we're in the last days. But that's when the more and more we got to say, why, you know, why are you not coming to church? And it's not the bully. It's not because we have an ego trip. But we want to see people in church so that, as I said earlier, you can continue to grow in God. We have to be in church. This is God's prescribed method. God established church gatherings. God said for the believers to gather together. This is what he wants. That's why we call it God's house. we got to keep coming to church. It's important. I have not yet to meet a person who has stayed saved. But stop coming to church. I have not met a single person. You got to read your Bible. And you got to pray. You got to witness. You really want your, your walk with God to go to that next step? Witness to somebody. Tell somebody about Him. And that's where a lot of churches don't do anymore. They don't witness. They don't tell other people about Christ. When you go to work or your neighbors and stuff, if they don't know that you're a Christian in some form or another, whether you've told them about Christ or they see you live, then what, what's the point? Soul winning is the bread and butter of our Christianity. It is that one thing that we all must do. It's the thing that's going to help keep us alive. Praise and worship. we got to be praising and worshiping God. And we can do that by coming to his house. You can do that on your way to work in the morning. Just give God the glory. Worshiping him. These are the things that we need to stay alive and remain. And of course, obedience. When you disobey God, you will feel yourself drifting further from him. Obedience is sin. I mean, uh, disobedience is sin. And that's what separates us from God. That's what separated the first man from God, was his disobedience. One act of disobedience. When all these things are done with a genuine heart, you will make it. You will make it. Hebrews 10 and 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Don't waver. Keep going. For he is faithful, that promise. If you do these things with a genuine heart, not just do them to check them off as a, a, a bucket list of things to do to get to heaven, because that's not how we get to heaven. These are maintenance, like a car. You got to put gas in, you got to get your brakes changed, you got to check your other fluids. Your hoses, that's going to keep your car running. This is going to keep the Christian running. Church attendance, 
prayer, reading, exhortation, fellowship, being among one another, exhorting each other. Brother, keep going. Brother, don't give up. Sister, keep in the fight. That's what's going to do it. And that's why I'm still here. Because of all the brothers and sisters in Christ that have said, don't give up. And all those who have prayed for me, whether I knew it or not. we got to pray for each other. We are saved by faith. But these things help us keep the faith. Help us to stay away from sin, which will kill us spiritually if we let it in. We have to put a stop when that sin comes through the door. And it will sneak right up on you. Oh, believe me, sin will sneak right up on you. But we got to cut that head off the snake when it appears. Don't say, oh, I saw a snake under the porch. We'll just leave it. Come back. Maybe if I see it, I'll kill it. No, you got to get under there and find that snake and kill it because it's going to get you. Whether, you know, it's going to get you when you least expect it. We cannot quit now, brothers and sisters. We cannot quit now. We are too close to the finish line. We are too close. And we're there. We're seeing, like I said, we don't know the, the time or the season. We don't really know. I remember one uh, quote from a preacher. He said, live like the rapture can happen today. Work like it ha won't happen for another hundred years. But we got to live like it's going to happen today. We're so close. And we're not racing against each other. Who, who's going to get there first? Our race is just to finish the race. That's the race that God has set for us. To make it across the finish line. Whether there's people ahead of you or behind you. Your goal is to make it there. Period. It's a pass or fail. And I like those tests in school. Pass or fail. All these other religions, they have, you know, they score their, their faith. Have you done enough this? Have you done enough of that? How many people did you feed? How many of this and how many of that? And, and that's why they do all these works and have all these uh, food pantries and all these other things. But for us, Christ is saying, cross that line. That's all you got to do. Make it across. With every breath and every ounce of faith you have. I said last week, if you got to ride this altar all the way to heaven, then you ride that altar all the way to heaven. If I find you always on your face praying, well, good, because you're going to make it then. You're going to make it. He said, comfort each other with these words. The rapture, the end times, and all that stuff is not meant to be scary. That is our finish line to know that God has a hope for us, that God has a plan, that he's going to take us one day, that he's coming back to take us. We're going to go with him for a little bit into heaven, enjoy the presence of the Lord, but then we're going to come back here on earth. We're going to reign as kings and priests with him, and so shall we be forever with him. The Lord. And that's wonderful to know that God has a reward for us. That we're going to be taken up into heaven. That we're going to be glorified. No more pain in the body. No more sadness. No more despair. No more sorrow. No more having to wake up early. No matter. No, we don't have to work up late. We won't need sleep anymore. We won't need food anymore. Yet the, the Bible says there will be food in heaven. But we can just eat and eat and eat. And not gain a single pound. Praise God. But God has his future hope for us. He's prepared a place for us. 
and our reward for staying in him, staying alive in him, is that we get to go be with him. Praise God. And it's not a cliche. We are literally going to be with God in heaven. And glorified bodies. That is our reward for our faithfulness. That is our reward for accepting the blood of Jesus in on our lives and on our hearts. That is our reward for going through this life. Despite the persecutions and the trials and tribulations. There is a reward for what we're doing. But there is someone else who is just, actually he is more excited about the rapture than we are. There is someone else who is more excited about the rapture and the resurrection of the dead than we are, and that is Jesus himself. Jesus is looking forward to that day. He's looking forward to it. Yes, we want to make the rapture for ourselves, but we also got to make it for him. Jesus is relying on us to make it for him. He wants to see us on that day. We are his creation. We are the joy that was set before him. He died for us to redeem us to be with him. That was the whole purpose. Was so we could be with him. He loved being with mankind for those three years that he walked amongst us. So much that he wants to do it all again for eternity. Praise God. Whether it's by physical death or the rapture of those who are alive, the most important thing to do to be able to see God's face that day is to remain alive in Him. We cannot die in sin. We cannot walk away from God. We cannot let the pressures of this life, its trials and temptations, cause us to lose sight now. Jesus shed too much blood, endured too much pain, and too much suffering for us to have a bad attitude, for us to be offended by something, or to, for us to desire something more than Him. If you don't remain alive, you will be left behind dead. He said, those then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. When it comes to end-time prophecies and all that stuff, yes, God has revealed a whole lot to us to, to know, because we got to know this stuff. It, God wants us to know it, but if you don't know anything else, if you don't know anything else about Revelation or the dragon and the, the beasts and the vials and the, all that stuff, tribulation, at least know this part. You can stop right here. Because once we're forever with the Lord, we've made it. We've made it. And that's our hope right there. So shall we ever be with the Lord. But we have to remain alive. We have to remain. We cannot quit in this Christian race. 
We cannot die in sin. We've got to stay alive and remain for Jesus. As we bow our heads and close our eyes in reverence to him. Where do you stand right now? Can you say that you're alive in Christ? To have that joy that floods your soul. Knowing that he saves you. Have you remained in him? If you were to die right now, would you open your eyes in heaven? Do you have that confidence that you would make it if you heard that trumpet sound right now? Only you can answer that. I can't answer that. I don't know what goes on in your heart. I can answer for my own heart. But I can't answer for yours. That's something you have to search. Would you make the rapture if it happened right now? Would you open your eyes in heaven if you were to drop dead right now? And I'm not trying to do this to scare you. But he said comfort each other with these words. This message is of comfort. Jesus is stretching out his hand right now, reaching out for you. All you have to do is reach back and grab his hand. All you have to do is reach out and grab his hand. Father, I've endeavored to preach what you've laid on my heart this morning. And they have all heard your message. And Lord, we know the day is approaching. And we've got to stay vigilant. We've got to stay vigilant, Lord God, and I walk with you and not stumble. But we may have, Lord, and I don't, like I said, Lord, I don't know about them. I can only answer for myself. But Lord, we give you the thanks right now for the opportunity to make things right with you if we have stumbled. To gain that assurity that we will make it if that time were now. And Lord, I ask right now for your Holy Spirit to deal with our hearts. And Lord, I turn this service over to you right now. I'm done preaching, Lord. It's time for you, Lord, to deal with our hearts. Let's find a place to pray. You can turn around in your seat. You can come up to this altar if you need prayer. If you need prayer, come down. Come down. Show that walk of faith. Take those steps of faith and make way down here to the altar. If you need something from God, now is the chance to get it. If you're unsure if you'd make it to heaven, now is time to stamp that ticket. He'll write your name in that book of life right now. You just got to ask him into your life. God bless you. Go ahead and start to sign.